Well, good morning. Great to see you. Uh, I am Chris Kimmons and uh, husband of Nick. So some of you will know, some of you have been part of Ashford Sings, some of you will have heard us, some of you will have heard of us, we call that infamy. We are in, I've just taken my badge off, it's on my jumper, well we are in our 25th season as Ashford Sings. It was one of the first things we, uh, Nick and I started when we, when we came here. And so I thought I'd just give you some figures because on Friday evening we had a, a, what we called our silver celebration which was celebrating 25 seasons of Ashford Sings and what that looks like and the lives it's changed and all that sort of thing. So I'll just give you some numbers. We have had two AS on the roads. We visited, we went and sung in Cambridge and we went to Windsor. We've had three rehearsal venues. We've done somewhere in the region of about 190 songs over the time. We have done 95, now 96 gigs. We have had about somewhere between five and 600 singers since we started, somewhere in that region. It's difficult to tell GDPI, can't keep people's details anymore, but anyway, it's somewhere around there. We have been particular sponsors and supporters of Pilgrims, and since Ashford Singh started, it has raised a staggering 41,318 pounds and 66p for Pilgrims. It's amazing. Um, it's supported seven other charities and schools. It's sung at seven weddings. It's done eight big concert and quizzes, six international tours. I know. Um, it has, I have mainly, with a little, some, some Nick as well, done 525 hours of arranging and recording. Um, we have done official rehearsals. We have done 28,025 minutes worth of official rehearsals. That is 295 pain and fun-filled hour and a half <laughs> since we started. And we had this that celebration here. That's just the numbers. Always you celebrate with stats and stories. That's just some of the stats. But the stories were incredible. Honestly, it was such an honour to hear them. We, we didn't quite pick people at random, but not far off it and said, would you mind just coming and saying what it means to you that you're in Ashford Sings? So a couple of the people have been in here, been here quite a while. One person was fairly new. Um, and we just said, will you just come and tell us your story? You've got 90 seconds, which they all ignored. Um, you've got 90 seconds. Will you just come and tell us your story of why you're in Ashford Sings? Uh, and the difference it's made. And honestly, it was so heartwarming. It was so touching. Who knew that when you live in community, you get such an opportunity to love people and see lives transformed. Um, who knew that when you just have the King of Kings living on the inside of you, that you can just make such a difference? And we were really humbled, actually. They said a big thank you to us, and someone got up and did a little speech and whatever, rather spontaneously. Wasn't it in our schedule? Um, but even on Friday night, ever since we started, one of the values we've engendered and created within that is that we don't exist just for the benefit of us. We exist for the benefit of blessing Ashford and beyond. So hence a lot of the money for pilgrims. But what we've also done is on Friday night, we uh, raise money for Silver Line. So Silver Line, think Child Line, but it's for older people. Um, but it's actually more of a, a, a phone number that you can call if you are lonely. And it started by Esther Ranson. And we thought, well, it's silver. Someone suggested it to us. So we thought, great idea. So we had a promise auction 
here on Friday night, and in total, with selling some cupcakes as well, we've raised a staggering one and a half thousand pounds to send off to Silverline. And if you don't know who they are, you should go and look them up and watch the video and have some tissues ready because they are absolutely amazing. Okay, we're going to pray. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I can see people now. So now I can see when you nod off. Okay. <laughs> don't think I don't notice. I did this talk once, years and years ago, and I, I said, and what we want to see God breaking out like this. This guy on the front row leapt about eight foot in the air because he, I hadn't seen him nodded off. I genuinely hadn't noticed. Wow, it was brilliant. Everyone laughed. The whole thing ground to a halt for a minute. But Father, thank you so much for your constant delight in us. We thank you that every day we can rest in you we can enjoy you every single day, every single moment. I thank you as you delight in us, we in turn can delight in you and just enjoy who you are. Thank you, Lord. Just come, Holy Spirit. A little, um, a little Christmas bit for you. But try not to think Christmas. It's really difficult because you've heard children read these. I have rewritten these for children to read. I mean, they are so almost hackneyed. Um, but just try and de-Christmas it for a minute and try and listen like you're hearing it for the first time. That would be, uh, that would be wonderful. So, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. You know this wasn't December, right? They don't do that at that time of year. They're, they're not that stupid. It's too cold. Um, <clears throat> this is probably September-ish time, more than likely believed. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, because I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. For today, in Bethlehem, a rescuer has been born to you. He is the Lord, Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all started doing an impression of Ashford Sings. No, that's not in here. That's not, I added that bit, just in, case you, just in case you thought that was a legitimate translation of that part. And it said, they sung, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to all people. Just picturing this scene, I'm about to read on, but just, just picturing this scene for a minute. Shepherds just doing their thing out in the field. They have to keep watch, of course they do, um, because of wild animals, etc. taking their flock. Flock means money. So they are keeping a close eye. They have to. Out of nowhere, an angel appears. And you know, um, you may know later on in the New Testament, it says about um, entertaining strangers, for you never know when you've entertained an angel. Um, and we know that angels are present. We, people get a bit big into angels. That's not what we're about to do. And like, oh, I wonder if that person was an angel. There is no mistaking. This person lit up the field. 
and I don't mean, it doesn't say with their personality, the glory of God was so strong on them, this angel, that it lit up the entire field. They were terrified. I think you would be. They're just on their third Sudoku of the evening. And suddenly, out of nowhere, comes this angel saying, a rescuer is about to be born. The rescuer, the one you've been waiting for for years, has come. And I'm telling you, and you get the chance to go and see him. And this is how you'll know. It's in Bethlehem. Look for a feeding trough and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and putting it. They must have thought feeding trough. They would have known how mucky feeding troughs were. Think, what's a new baby doing in a feeding trough? Absolutely terrified. And then, to top it all off, the choir comes. And they just have to sing. They just have to sing. They can't contain it. When you're normal, you talk. When you're dying, you whisper. And when your soul has got more than it can possibly contain, you have no option but to sing. And that, I mean, the excitement in heaven. I mean, the rehearsal time. They've had, like, eternity. You've got to think they're good. Like, 40-part harmony, I don't know. But the sound must have been immense. And then they go. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, how? How did they go? I want to know. Did they go with a, like an email? Or did they just... Were they suddenly not there? Did they literally go up? Like, I don't know. But what a thought. Because it just says, when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's hurry and find this baby that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord is revealing to us. So they ran into the village. I bet they ran. <clears throat> they blow the sheet, they're probably saying. Just leave them there. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Isn't that amazing? Like, I know we know it. You've got to try and strip that bit out of it. There is one word in this entire section that I want to draw out, and it's this. Listen to what the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to all people. For there is peace, peace, wholeness, completeness, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's being given and a good hope given to the sons of men. Some Bibles translate it goodwill, goodwill, good hope. Hope. Now, really interestingly, if you look on a little bit further, if you have Bibles, you're very welcome to turn to, that was Luke 2, Mark, uh, no, Matthew chapter 4. If you have them, you're very welcome to turn there. If not, give me a sec, and I will read it out to you. So in Mark, in Matthew chapter 4, it says this. Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the province of Galilee, 
He taught in the synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. Let me say that again. Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the province of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm. The hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. See, like, well, that's really interesting because what the angels did was they pronounced in a field, the hope bringer has just arrived on the scene. And then Matthew, when he is describing Jesus' life, said basically he went around healing people and preaching the hope of God's kingdom realm. The realm that had been waited for for years and years and years and years was now breaking in in the form of Jesus, the kingdom realm, the nothing missing, nothing broken kingdom realm. God's plan to turn back the decay and the poverty and start with people's hearts and regenerate. That's what it was. But listen to what hope is. This is where the confusion comes. We tend to use the word hope. Oh, I really hope that happens. I hope it doesn't rain today. Oh, I hope I get this for Christmas. I hope my kids will be all right as they drive home. I hope my son will be all right at school today. You're like, oh, I hope. We, that's how we use hope, don't we? Yeah, excellent. Good. Thank you, all six of you. Um, don't know how the rest of you use it. But yes, that is how we use hope. Um, but that is not what biblical hope is. So when Jesus went about saying, talking about the hope of the kingdom realm, he wasn't going around saying, oh, well, hope the kingdom realm comes. That's not what it means. When they said, when the angels declared, he is the bringer of hope, the bringer of hope has just arrived. It's not the bringer of, well, I hope has just arrived. That's not what biblical hope is. The word has gradually changed meaning over the years. So hope means this. Confident expectation. Confident expectation. So I know this thing is going to happen. I'm confident. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. And another translation of it can be, uh, can be said like this. To anticipate something with pleasure. Anticipate with pleasure. So when we are, when we are told to put our hope in God, it's not a all willy-won'ty. That's not it. We are to have a confident expectation. You need to let that sink in. We need to let that sink all the way down to here. We have a confident expectation. So when we pray for people, when we try to see lives change, when we say, oh, I really hope it goes okay for you today. I really hope your hospital appointment goes okay. What kind of hope are you using? Because the actual hope that we have been commissioned to declare is way beyond a will it, won't it. When I say, when we say, I hope that your operation goes well today, let's take that. What's God saying about this operation? What have we been praying about this operation? What is God's will over this operation for this person? Because that is our confident expectation. That's what we're supposed to be doing, expecting confidently, not hoping like everyone else. Oh, I hope it's okay. And of course, that's a good place to start. 
At least it shows we're thinking about it and attentive, and in no sense is it a criticism. Why goodness, not at all. I spent most of my life hoping like that. But the angels didn't come to, clear, come to declare that a big hoper was just coming, a willy-won'ty type person. So what you have is we have faith, okay? Everyone has faith. You have faith in something. You might have faith in nothing. still takes faith. So faith, as we know, in, uh, for those of you who know the Bible at all, you will know that in the, a, book of, a book called Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith is being confident of what we hope for, certain of what we cannot see. Okay? So faith is anchored in that relationship, and then hope is the action of our faith. Let me say that again. I can see the penny hasn't dropped because you'd be whooping and hollering when you get it. So faith is absolutely knowing who God is. So faith is being totally, utterly, 100% convinced that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he's going to do. That's what faith is. And then hope is what springs out of that faith. And hope is like an action that you put on that faith. I know who he is. Therefore, I have confident expectation. So that, thank you. So that is the hope that comes out of faith. Do you see that? It's absolutely amazing. So our faith is anchored in, he is a good father. That's who he is. I am loved by him. That's who I am. And if you think, oh, Chris, how many times are you going to keep saying that? Forever and ever and ever because I am tired of Christianity making it so complicated when the message is so remarkably simple and Ashford and beyond is not waiting for our complex theology. It's waiting for us to bring some hope and the only hope we can bring them is anchored in who dad is. That's the only hope we have. Some of you will know um, or will have heard of Eugene Peterson. So I'm not checking Facebook. You will have heard of Eugene Peterson. He was the guy who translated the Message Bible. Okay? He died a month ago or so, something like that. And this is what his son said at his funeral. Eugene Peterson's son, Leif, said at the funeral that his dad only had one sermon and that he had fooled everyone for 29 years of pastoral ministry and that for all his books, he only had one message. It was a secret that Leif, it was a secret Leif said his dad had let him in on early in life. It was a message that Leif said his dad had whispered in his heart for 50 years. Words he had snuck into his room to say over him as he slept as a child. This is it. God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. That's it. That's his talk. For 29 years and however many books, let me say that again, he whispered it over his son for 50 years. God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. Absolutely. That is amazing. Just incredible. I would love to have that written as a 
I say said at my funeral, my funeral is going to be a festival, obviously, because I've got so much music that's going to have to be in there. But probably even get Ashford Sings to sing, if the truth be told. Um, but it, wouldn't it be amazing if this is your epitaph? This is what you get remembered for. He knew that God loved him, that God was on his side, that God was coming after him, and that he was relentless. Isn't that amazing? Can't believe no one's taken notes and written that down because that is crazy. So do you know what? When we talk about um, hope, when Jesus came to bring hope, when we talk about that, and we talk about that for Ashford, Ashford does not need our religion. Dare I say, Ashford doesn't need our Christianity. It just doesn't need another religion. But we love Christianity. No, I love God, really. I love him as a father. That's, that's what I love. I don't love the religion of Christianity. Who loves form without power? I tell you who does. Cowards. People who are too scared, sometimes too damaged, and don't feel able to engage their heart so you can engage in the form without the power. Now, there's all kinds of ways that people can encounter God, so I'm not saying all form is wrong. I'm talking about not engaging with the heart of a father. Ashford needs to know, and beyond, and the borough, and the world, needs to know that it has a father who totally adores them and that that will revolutionise and change their life. There is no, well, God loves you, but you need to sort your life out. God loves you, but, yes, no, you have had a lot of divorces. God loves you, but, I saw you shouting at your kids the other day. God, there are no buts. It's really awful. And Paul, um, super church planter Paul, he discusses this. He discusses this at some points in the Bible, and he says, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. So God has actually forgiven us declared his undying love for us, even before we've screwed up. Yes. Yeah, but that seems like too good news. Yes, that's right. It is really good news. This is the good news. I, I, Nick and I are passionate and so grateful to God for everything that Asher Vineyard does and all the people who come and everyone who's a part of it. But this isn't the good news. I can see you. Thank you for agreeing with me. I can see you totally... <laughs> You're so right, Chris. You're so right. This is not the good news. This is not the good news. I'm really happy to invite people along here. I'm really invite, happy to invite people to things that we get involved in or whatever. That isn't the good news. That isn't who the good news is. This is just a building. This is just a place where we come together and we can love people. It's just a vehicle. So we are to be, we are to be hope bringers. So our message to everyone, I hear this language so often, and this is, a, this is like to make this really, really practical. Listen out for this language. First of all, listen out for this language yourself, and then listen out for it in other people. After a while, it becomes like a red buzzer. It becomes one of those that you listen out for. It's this language. Well, I've got, uh, I've got arthritis, so... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just, I'm just going to have this long term now. That's going to be it for life. Um, <coughs> no, you should have like, woo, 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 going off in your, what? What? You're just going to have this for like, yeah, no, my, um, my child's just totally gone off the rails. And, um, oh, well, I guess that's, that's just it, isn't it? I mean, it's just going to be that way. Woo, woo, 
Woo-hoo! You should be going, no, 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 I have a confident expectation. I know someone you don't yet know, but I'm about to introduce you because I'm about to start praying for you. You don't have to pray there and then, but you can say, no, it doesn't have to stay that way. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just always going to be broke. I mean, I made that mistake last year. I screwed up with some money and, well, it's just going to be like this, probably 10 years. Woo, 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 should be going off because we have a confident expectation. What? Do you mean God is going to help someone when they've screwed up? Oh, yes. That's his speciality. That's what he's really good at. What, I haven't got to perform? No, please don't. Please don't perform for him. He's not really into performing sons and daughters. It doesn't work like that. That's not what floats his boat. Just a humble, honest, open heart towards him and delighting in him for who he is is what he longs for. So we need to be listening out for these expressions. I heard one only this week where someone, and I, I really get it, and this is, a, this is a thing for me at the moment, and I, I'm letting you into some of the things that no one knows, but I'm, God and I have been chatting about. I am really bugged by the people. No, not the people. No, let me finish. I'm really bugged by the people who are having to live with things like fibromyalgia. I'm really annoyed by it. Not with them. Of course not with them. I'm annoyed that we don't seem to yet be getting breakthrough in it. And I, I feel hurt. I think that is the right word. I think I feel saddened that the language for people who have that is an acceptance that they're just going to have to have it for years. I hate that. I'm, I feel for them. I really feel for them because I've, I've seen so many people with it and I cannot imagine what it's like to have to live with that day after day after day after day. And you rest and you feel no better. And so one of my passions is with God, when I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you're going to have to please show us how do we start to get breakthrough in this area? Because this isn't good enough. This isn't your plan. um, And we don't want it to be our plan either. So I want to keep looking out for people. I want to keep listening out to people where I can use this line. It doesn't have to stay this way. That is what you should have written down after God loves you, God is on your side, he is coming after you and he is relentless. It doesn't have to stay this way. You come across someone and they've got cancer and you cower because you think, it's cancer. God says it doesn't have to stay this way. Like, that's why you're here, because you carry my hope. You carry the confident expectation because you know who I am. Not even particularly because I've read the Bible and I can recite certain verses. So what? The Bible's amazing, but the Bible is God. The Bible is about God. The Bible's just a book. This has got to point us to the person in whom we can have a confident expectation. We can't have a confident expectation, well, it's written in here, because that's to make the Bible the fourth person of the Trinity. That's not what it says. We are to have a confident expectation. So we can keep saying the line, it doesn't have to stay this way. Even right now, as you're sat there, you can probably think of people that you think, oh, if only I had the courage to say to them, it doesn't have to stay this way. It doesn't have to stay this way. Whatever someone is going through, are we suggesting for a minute that God doesn't have an answer available? Surely not. 
And some situations can look so impossible. Just looking at Richie over there, just he's, as it happens, he's in the spotlight, literally, and uh, it's just caught my eye. And some of the people that Richie works with, some of the things that they're going through, and it would feel almost impossible to say to them, it doesn't have to stay this way. But it doesn't have to stay this way. It's no less true, even if it feels impossible. Even if it feels impossible. So, something we are doing at Family Carols, uh, yeah, no, I haven't got one with me, Family Carols next week, is we are handing out prayer palette cards. They've been specially Christmased up uh, to match the colour scheme and everything else. They look amazing. They haven't arrived yet, but I've seen previews. We are asking every single person who comes along to Family Carols at some point in the service, in the Family Carols, in the festivities, we're going to stop and say, under your chair, you'll find a card, and you'll also find a pen. As it happens, it's an Ashford Vineyard pen. I know. <laughs> Having said it's not about the building and the stuff, these are awesome. Um, but no. And then, so what we're going to ask everyone to do is to complete a card, and the card basically says, what can we pray for for you? That's it. What can we be praying for? Something like that. I can't quite remember the wording. And then we'll say to people, if it's not for you, can it be for a neighbour? Can it be for a son or daughter or a grandparent or a parent? Or who can, what can we be praying for? Then we're taking all those cards in, which we think will be in the region of about 400 cards, because some people have come to both services and everything else, but somewhere four to 500 cards. On the following Wednesday, the 13th, we are then going to get all those cards together and for hours during the day, an hour at a time, we are going to, people are going to sign up, you, I, we are going to sign up to say, I will come and pray for some of those situations on those cards. Because we are the people who say over those cards, it doesn't have to stay this way. Because we have a confident expectation. Because we know who he is. We're learning more about who he is. It's just revealing more and more of who he is. And then 7.30 in the evening, so that's between 10 and 7, 7.30 in the evening, we're then having as many people as we can to come here. Um, we can have some worship and we're going to have all the cards laid out in rows, up and down. And then we're just going to spend some time as a whole church, just walking up and down, picking them up, praying for them, etc. And we are also inviting people, if they would like, on the day not that day, on the family carols, to leave uh, some contact details. So that if, because we are saying, we would love to be able to contact you and see what's happened as a result of our praying. So there will even then be a team of people, and you can be on this team, who then make some phone calls afterwards and say, hey, remember us from Asher Vineyard, you filled that card in. You asked us to pray for Doris, who's got this and whatever. We've been praying for Doris. Do you mind us asking, how is she? Is there any improvement? Because we've been praying for this and for this and for this. And... Isn't that a great way to engage yeah. with our community? It's, hampers are brilliant. And we need hampers as well. But we can bring hope into these situations. It doesn't have to stay this way. So what I would love, I've got, um, I'll put a clipboard either side. Um, Chris Tatton did these and he's not here this morning, but he's only left, he hasn't left enough slots. There we go, because I know loads of you are going to sign up. That's that one, with a pen. And the pen works, I've checked. Uh, and then this side. 
So we would love, ideally, at least six people each hour, and then on the 13th at 7.30, we would love it if you would come, as I say, we'll have some worship, and then we'll pray for these cards. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence with us. That God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. God loves me. He is on my side. He is coming after me. He is relentless. I thank you for the hope that was declared to those shepherds and then fulfilled in Jesus being born. Father, I pray that we, um, as, as a church, would pick up that mantle of being hope bringers, that we would walk into situations with confident expectation, that throughout our own pain and difficulty at times and other people's pain and difficulty, we will always know it doesn't have to stay this way. Help us to become a people who, is, who are persistent at trying to find situations unlocked. How do we get them unlocked? We know that sometimes there are realities and entities that surround a problem that we just haven't yet learned how to dismantle. Spare us all, God, from the ah well attitude. Never mind. But instead, when we see your will and then we don't see that happening, that we will get on our knees to bridge that divide. But I pray that even right now we would, um, yeah, it feels a bit weird, but just almost like put your hands on your shoulders. You could, don't have to do it this way, you could cross them over, it's actually easier. But <laughs> depends how big your uh, biceps are, I suppose. But like almost, yeah, I take that responsibility, God, I take that mantle. It's his yoke, it's easy, the burden is light. But God, I pray that there will be an alarm that goes off for us when we hear people speaking from a place of no hope. That our hearts would break and we would say, it doesn't have to stay this way. Will you please just let me pray for you? Will you please let me walk through this situation with you? I know that your hope has been eroded and you've got none left, but I've still got a load. Can that be our mantle, particularly for this Christmas, that we listen out for those lines that speak of no hope? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.